There are stories about what happened. It's true. Welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Canon Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Miller, and I'm so glad you decided to join me to talk about our favorite thing in the world, yet again, Star Wars. And I've got to tell you, this is going to be a huge, huge episode. I've got so much to talk about. I was actually contemplating on turning this into two episodes, this week and next. But I'm not entirely sure that it is going to warrant that. This is something... Look, I... Because of my day job, because of my uh, personal life, because of family, everything like that, I don't get an episode out every week like I would like to. I try to. I really, really try to. And if it doesn't work out on week on weeks where I, oh, I need to get the podcast out, it doesn't always happen, and I'm bummed about it. I'm always bummed about it. And so I feel like I, I need to do a larger episode like this to kind of make up for some of that. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to make this into one big episode. Uh, we've got novels to talk about, we've got comics to talk about, I've got a couple of reviews for you guys for this episode, I've got a couple mailbag questions, we're going to talk about everything we know Lucasfilm is working on at this point, we're going to talk about some rumors, we're going to talk about some news, uh, there's, there's a lot to cover in this episode, uh, and I'm even going to be ranking the Star Wars films at this point, I did get a, a YouTube question, or I'm sorry, a YouTube comment, on the spoiler review for Rise of Skywalker, now that the film's out, let's could we get a, a ranking? And yeah, we'll do a ranking of the films because that's something I've never actually done on this channel is rank the films. I've talked about kind of my ranking, but I've never actually officially put my ranking out there. And now that all three trilogies and two standalone films, I'm sorry, three standalone films are out, then we're going to I'm I'm going to rank them now. So going to be fun. So this is going to be a huge episode. And like I said, i got a lot to talk about. So before we get into all of that, though, i got to get the formality stuff out of the way. You guys know I do this every week, so please bear with me. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I am a former soldier in the U.S. Army. And there is a cause that I've decided to kind of step up and try to support the best I can, to raise awareness the best I can. And it's a very dark topic, and it's something that I know a lot of people don't like to talk about. And, and I agree, I don't like to talk about it either. But it's something that needs to be talked about, and that is veteran suicide. It's something that hits really close to home for me. It's something that I've had to deal with uh, front and center in my life. Uh, I had a buddy about two-thirds of the way through last year, halfway through last year. Uh, he hung himself, and I served, in, I served with him. And it's something that really hit close to home for me, and it really opened my eyes. I knew it was a problem beforehand. But it was something that really opened my eyes, and having dealt with PTSD in the past, stuff like that, it's something that really, it really hits close to home for me, and it's, it's something that I'm trying to raise awareness for now. I found a website called the Till Valhalla Project. I found it on Facebook. It's ran by a veteran who creates uh, these aluminum bracelets with uh, little mottos on them, dog tags, t-shirts, ball caps, stuff like that. To help raise awareness for veteran suicide and all the profits go 
back into the company to create more products and to create memorials for veterans who have committed suicide. It's a great mission. It's something that I respect more than anything. It's something that means a lot to me. And I know it's something that not everybody has really had to deal with in their life. It's one of those things where, you know, it, out of sight, out of mind, you don't deal with it. You don't think about it. And, and I understand that. I really do. But I've dealt with it, and it's something that, that really does mean a lot to me. So if you guys are interested, I'll put all the links below for the Facebook page and the website for the Tovahala Project in the description of this video of this of this podcast. And if you guys want to, you can go over there and check that out. It would definitely mean a lot to me. So uh, I appreciate you guys letting me get that off my chest. And before we really get into the news and the rumor mill and everything like this, uh, there's one last thing I want to talk about. The Star Wars Canon Podcast mobile app is on its way it's coming and now that i've got this beautiful piece of machinery here that works with me instead of against me i've been trucking right along on the on the uh, podcast been getting a lot of graphics on a lot of the info is being entered it's 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 actually fun to sit down and work on this thing now that i have something that works with me for those of you who don't know the mobile app is going to have a direct link to this podcast you can listen to the audio only version right there in app You'll have access to the YouTube channel. You can watch every YouTube video that the Star Wars Canon Podcast has ever posted right there in the app. It'll have a Canon timeline, everything in chronological order. I even went back to the old BBY, ABY timeline so that everybody would know kind of where everything fell. Went back to that. Everything's broken down by story arc in the, in the timeline. So, you know, for example, I use this example. Uh, for example, if you've got a four or five episode arc of Clone Wars and there's a comic book that happens in the middle of it somewhere, it's all broken down by story arc. So like the Mortis arc, the Mortis trilogy, those three episodes are together, but they're still all in chronological order. It's very, very easy to go by. Uh, I'll have a place in there where you can purchase canon material. Not from me, but just links to where you can purchase canon material. Uh, all the novels, all the comic books, everything like that's going to be in alphabetical order with all the cover art for all of them, a description of what each and every piece is for uh, is, and links of where you can go to get a hardback edition or a paperback edition. If you want the ebook, you can download it right there. If you want the audible version, you can download it right there. All of it's going to be right there where you can get to all of it. There's also going to be a community page where you can post your own reviews, pictures of what you're reading, stuff like that. Talk about Star Wars. It'll be a lot like a uh, like a Facebook timeline feed, but that'll be on there as well. So uh, keep an eye out for it. I'm very very happy with the way it's looking so far. I cannot wait to show you that you guys this thing. Uh, I've been working on it for close to a year now. It'll be a long time coming. It'll be a day long remembered when I finally get this thing done. So I'm very excited to share that with you guys. Keep an ear out because there is going to be more coming on that very soon, and uh, hopefully I'm going to be able to put together a preview for it here before long so I can show you guys kind of what it's going to look like. I haven't decided yet if it's going to be a free app or if it's going to be a 99 cent app. I haven't decided yet. I know everybody wants a free app. I get that. I want a free app. If I was a, if I was a customer looking at it, most of the time I go straight to free apps on Google Play and look for the free stuff to download. Very, I've done it, but very rarely will I spend a dollar on an app. I've, I've done it before. I've bought Plague Inc., that was worth the dollar for me, stuff like that. So I haven't decided yet. With everything that's going to be in it, I really do kind of see where it warrants the dollar. But at the same time, I know what I would want in an app. And like I said, most people are going to look at it and be like, oh, no, never mind. I don't want it if it's a dollar. Uh, with everything that it's going to have in it, all the work that's put into it, I feel like it's warranted. 
And if somebody else was making the same app and I looked at it from the outside looking in and that was a dollar, I would pay the dollar for it. But like I said, I haven't decided yet. It may come out free. I don't know. So uh, I know you guys want a free app. Let me know in the comments, though, if it's something you feel like warrants the dollar. It's something that I really do need your guys' input on, your your opinion on. So uh, please let me know and, and try to be polite. Please, please, please be polite about it. I haven't, like I said, I haven't decided yet. So uh, I look forward to hearing you guys about that. With all that out of the way, let's talk about some novels that are coming out in 2020. We just went into this fresh year. We know kind of what we have to look forward to in this year as far as novels and comics and TV shows and all this other stuff goes. So let's break down everything that we do know about this year so far, what Lucasfilm is bringing out. Let's start with novels. All right, so the first novel coming out this year is going to be the novelization of of episode 9, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, the expanded edition, will be written by Ray Carson, and it comes out on March 3rd, 2020. This is a novelization that I am really hoping fixes episode 9 for me. And those of you, for those of you who watch, for those of you who haven't watched my uh, Rise of Skywalker spoiler review, I wasn't a fan of it. If you guys watched it, you know how much I did not like that movie. Uh... But I'm hoping that this novel can fix some things in it, and it's going to be an expanded edition, just like what we got with Last Jedi, like what we got with Solo, a Star Wars story. It added more scenes in there that made the story make more sense. There were scenes in the Solo novelization that should have been in the movie. They weren't even deleted scenes, but they should have been in the movie because they made sense. It kind of tied Solo with Rogue One together a little bit, and it was really, really cool to see. With the expanded edition of The Last Jedi, it made me feel like, as much as I did like The Last Jedi when it first came out, it made me feel like The Last Jedi made more sense as a novel. That story made more sense as a novel. And I wasn't a fan of Episode Nine, so I'm hoping that this novel comes out, builds on it a little bit more, fleshes the story out a little bit more, maybe gives a couple of, of explanations for some things that weren't in the movie that should have been there, and maybe it'll make Episode Nine more watchable, in my opinion. I'm hoping it does. I really want to like Episode Nine. So I'm hoping that the novel comes out. I hope it's something that really builds on that story, on that lore. And, uh, you know, Ray Carson's writing it. I'm not a huge fan of anything Ray Carson's done. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think she wrote uh, Most Wanted, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I don't even see it. Yeah, she wrote Star Wars Most Wanted, which is one of my least favorite Star Wars novels of all time. But it's a novelization, so it's kind of hard to mess up a novelization, considering the story, I guess if you want to call it a story, is there. You just have to put it pen to paper and, and make, put it into a book. So I'm hoping that it really, really works out, and I'm hoping that that book will save Episode 9, in my opinion. So that is coming out on March 3rd, 2020. Cautiously looking forward to that. On May 5th, 2020, there are two books coming out on the same day, both of which I'm extremely excited for. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnston. It is the prequel novel to Queen's Shadow, which I was a huge fan of, surprisingly. This novel will be set before the events of The Phantom Menace, and it will follow Padme after her election as Queen of Naboo when she's 14 years old. And I'm really, really looking forward to this book. I was a huge fan of Queen's Shadow, surprisingly. It was one that kind of snuck up on me, and I was like, well, this is really good. And I'm, I'm looking forward to this one as well. I learned a lot about Padme and Queen Shadow, about the way her and her handmaidens work together, some of their contingency plans, some of their plan Bs, Cs, Ds, Es, all the way to X, Z. 
it's they they had plans for plans about their plans about their plans and it was awesome to read so i'm really looking forward to this one i'm hoping it leads right up to the phantom menace i hope it leads right up to the trade federation occupation of naboo that would be a great little kind of caveat right there to end it right there and into episode one this will be the third novel that takes place before the phantom menace if you want to count dooku jedi lost as a novel which we'll talk about that here in a little bit if you want to count it as a novel it, it this will be the third one that takes place before the phantom menace very very excited about that book and as excited as i am about that one i'm more excited about the other book that's coming out on may 5th 2020 and that is timothy zahn's chaos rising book one of the ascendancy trilogy timothy zahn is known in star wars for his character thrawn balls to bone and i've said I said during my last Thrawn novel review, I think it was for Treason, I love Timothy Zahn's writing. I love Thrawn as a character, but I would like to see Thrawn, uh, Timothy Zahn step outside of the character of Thrawn a couple of times and write something other than just Thrawn. I think it would be, I think it'd work. I think he knows what he's doing. But if he's giving me more Thrawn, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm never going to complain about it. So this is the first book in a trilogy. I'm really excited to see where this trilogy goes. This is supposed to be exploring the origins of Thrawn with the Chiss and what his relationship with the Chiss is. And I guess kind of how he ended up where he was at the beginning of the first Thrawn, quote unquote, the, the titled Thrawn novel. I'm excited for it. I can't wait. But I'll be honest, this isn't the Thrawn story I want. I want the Ezra Thrawn story, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. I really, really want that story. But you know what? Since because of what we're going to be talking about here in a little bit, I'm okay with this. This is going to be cool. I really want to see more Chiss. Thrawn Treason really brought more of the Chiss into it, where you kind of saw the, their workings and more Chiss characters. It was absolutely great to read. So I am really, really looking forward to this trilogy. I can't wait for it. I'm excited beyond belief. I just did not see this one coming. So both of those books, Queen's Peril and Chaos Rising, are coming out on May 5th, 2020. We don't have that much longer to wait for it either. Matter of fact, four months from the day this is being recorded. I can't wait. This is going to be great. Uh, also coming out this year, speaking of trilogies and novels, is one that I'm kind of cautiously optimistic about, uh, and that is Shadowfall, an Alphabet Squadron novel by Alexander Freed. This comes out on June 23rd, 2020. This is a novel that I'm hoping salvages this trilogy for me so far because we're only one book in and I'm not a big fan. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of Alphabet Squadron. It was more set up than anything, which I guess if you're doing a trilogy of books, some of it has to be all set up because I had the same problem with the Aftermath trilogy. The first Aftermath book to me, I didn't care for that much, but the next two were great. So I'm hoping that Alphabet Squadron does the same thing. Uh, this will be the sequel to the first Alphabet Squadron uh, novel following those same characters. Uh, and I'm Alexander Freed is, is an amazing author. One of the biggest problems I had with the first Alphabet Squadron, though, was you he the names that he came up with and for characters were just impossible to pronounce. Impossible to pronounce. Completely. No, they didn't feel like Star Wars names. And it seemed like every time he was writing the book when he was writing a book every time he came to a new character he had to come up with a name for i feel like he tried to make an even harder name to pronounce than the last one he came up with and it just kept going and it turned into a game while i was reading the first alphabet squadron novel i would tell kirsty hey look at this name what does that one say try to pronounce that yeah that's what i thought so 
I like Alexander Freed's writing. He's done the Rogue One novelization. He did the, uh, I'm sorry, the first Battlefront novel. You know, he's he's a good author. I really like his stuff. But for the love of God, give me some Star Wars names I can pronounce because it takes me out of the story whenever I have to stop and just sound out the name when I'm reading. But like I said, this book could come along and save it for me. And if this book is any good, I'm going to really be looking forward to the third one. So Shadowfall, uh, an Alphabet Squadron novel, is set for release on June 23rd, 2020. Uh, and another one, the only other novel, I don't want to really call it a novel, the only other book that we know about coming out, uh, is one that I'm very excited for, and it's called Dark Legends. It is written by George Mann, and it's set for release on July 28th, 2020. It was originally set for release for Halloween season, kind of the Halloween season a little bit, the, the late fall. But I guess they moved it up to July, which is cool. Uh, but this is supposed to be another collection of short stories, a lot like what Myths and Fables was, which he also wrote. I really enjoyed Myths and Fables. It was a collection of, I think, eight or nine like bedtime kind of stories. That since that has come out, some of it has really been concreted in my mind as canon. Some of it where I was like, is this canon or not? Some of it has been because of other stuff that has come out. So I'm really, really looking forward to this one. I guess it's going to be a darker version of what Myths and Fables was. Myths and Fables was a lot of fun to read. And there was a dark story in there or two. And I, and I really, really enjoyed them for the most part. Uh, but this one I'm over the moon excited for. Dark Legends. Uh, set for release on July 28th, 2020. So as of this moment, that's all the novels we know about. That's all we know about as, as of now. I'm sure we'll get more announcements throughout the year as we go. I'm looking forward to that. But as of now, that is what we know about with novels. Uh, moving on to comic books that we know are coming out in 2020. Uh, for those of you that don't know, we just wrapped up a bunch of series all at once at the end of last year. We wrapped up a 75-issue run of Star Wars, which was an ongoing series. I'm kind of surprised they just ended at 75 and didn't just keep it going, but I, I get why they did it uh, the way they did. We ended 75 issues of Star Wars. We ended 40 issues of Dr. Aphra, which I know a lot of people are kind of hit and miss with Dr. Aphra. We wrapped up Target Vader, which was a really cool storyline, brought back a Legends character that a lot of people really liked. Uh, we, wrapped up, uh, we wrapped up quite a few stories. We really did. Uh, we've still got a couple of runs going from last year. The Rise of Kylo Ren is still going this year. I, th I think it's going to be four issues. That's going Once that's wrapped up, it's done. Uh, but really, all the ongoing series are wrapped up at this point. And since they were all wrapped up, uh, they have announced issue one again for all of these series starting back over. And, for the, and in case you're wondering why, all the other ongoing runs kind of were taking place at the same time between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Now we're at Empire Strikes Back, and now when these start over at issue number one, they're going to be picking up after Empire Strikes Back and moving up to Return of the Jedi. So let's let's talk about a couple of these. Star Wars, the self-titled comic Star Wars, is starting back over at issue number one. The first issue has already been released, released on January 1st, 2020. Uh, this is one I'm really looking forward to. I have not read the first issue yet. I haven't gone and picked up my pull file yet with this comic in it, but I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, for those of you who want to know kind of what this comic is going to be about, here you go. Uh, in the wake of events following the Empire Strikes Back, it is a dark time for the heroes of the Rebellion. The Rebel fleet scattered following a disastrous defeat at the Battle of Hoth. Han Solo lost to a bounty hunter, Boba Fett, after being frozen in carbonite. And after being lured into a trap on Cloud City and bested in a vicious lightsaber duel against the evil Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker learned the horrible truth about his past. Vader did not kill Luke's father, Anakin. Vader is Luke's father. 
Now, after narrowly escaping the Dark Lord's clutches and wounded and reeling from the revelation, Luke, Princess Leia, Lando Calrissian, and the Wookiee Chewbacca, uh, the Wookiee Chewbacca and the droids, C-3PO and R2-D2, must fight their way back to the Rebel Alliance, for the fate of the entire galaxy is at stake. After so many losses, is victory still possible? But what Leia, Luke, their ragtag team of freedom fighters do not realize is that they have only traded one Imperial trap for another. Enter the cunning and vengeful Imperial commander Zara, I think is how you pronounce it, at the helm of the Tarkin's will. Uh, that's kind of what this next Star Wars run is going to be about. This sounds absolutely awesome. I am so excited for this particular Star Wars comic run. I'm this look, this thing is so so awesome sounding. And and from what this description sounds like, right? So with with the first uh, Star Wars run, when we were going from issues 1 through 75, we had several story arcs in there. I think 10 or 11 story arcs, if I'm not mistaken, 12 story arcs that happened throughout that run. This almost sounds like it's going to be one continuous villain that they have to deal with. And I could be wrong. It seems like one continuous villain they're going to have to deal with between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. The only other piece of canon material that happens in that area is Moving Target. And it was a Princess Leia novel. That's easy to ride around. So this is something I'm very, very excited to read. I can't wait to see how Luke deals with, with the revelation of Luke being uh, – uh, that Luke deals with of Vader being his father. Looking forward to that. that. I mean, that would destroy any man. I'm looking forward to seeing how Leia and Lando and Chewie are dealing with Han being gone. Because remember, in EU, we had Shadows of the Empire that kind of covered this time period a little bit. That's gone now. And that and I feel like Shadows of the Empire really covered that very well. I feel like Shadows of the Empire covered that time period very well. We really delved in. And it was just one novel. We really delved into Luke's mentality, how he was dealing with that. Leia's mentality, how she was dealing with Han being gone. Of him saying, I know, when she told him I love you. Just all this, it was it was a mental breakdown of all the characters. And I loved it. And I'm hoping that this comic does the same thing. I don't, I'm not expecting it to be as good as what Shadows of the Empire was. But if it's going to cover it, we can really delve into it. I would, I would almost rather see it in a series of comics like this. And really break it down issue by issue rather than in one book. Now, we don't know how long this run's going to last. We don't know how many years this is going to go. We don't know how many issues. Keep in mind that between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, there was three years there. With this one, there's only a year time between the two films. And that's been confirmed by Disney. There's only a year's worth of time there. So we don't know how long this run is going to go. We have no idea. Uh, it could run two years. It could run three. Who knows? So... Uh, I'm really excited for it. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how they how they really incorporate some of that mental anguish that Luke's going through into the story. So we've got the Star Wars comic coming. We've also got, you guessed it, another Vader run coming. How many Vader runs does this make now? Four, five, six? six I, this is, I think this is the fifth or sixth actual proper Vader run we've had. Uh, this is going back to Darth Vader number one, set for release in February, actually on February 5th, 2020. This one will also be set between episodes five and six. Very, very excited for this one as well. Here's what the uh, publisher's description is for this series. Uh, in the shattering climax of The Empire Strikes Back, Darth Vader infamously reveals his true relationship to Luke Skywalker and invites his son to rule the galaxy at his side. But Luke refuses, plunging into the abyss beneath Cloud City rather than turn to the dark side. Uh, 
We all remember Luke's utter horror in this life-altering moment. But what about Vader? In this new epic chapter in the Darth Vader saga, the Dark Lord grapples with Luke's unthinkable refusal and embarks on a bloody mission of rage-filled revenge against everything and everyone who had a hand in hiding and corrupting his only son. But even as he uncovers the secrets of Luke's origins, Vader must face shocking new challenges from his own dark past. This is going to be sick awesome. This is this is my absolutely most anticipated comic run of all of them so far. This sounds awesome. Because I never thought about it this way. We we kind of see Luke and kind of, you know, at the end of Empire, kind of deal with the fact that Vader just told him that he's his father. But we never really saw Vader deal with the fact that Luke was like, nope, nope, out. Like, that. we never really saw that. I'm excited about this. This is going to be an awesome. And, you know, honestly, I really, at, at first, when they said, oh, we're starting Vader over at number one again, I was like, oh, come on. Not another one. Like, the other two Vader runs, the proper Vader runs, were awesome. Both of them were 25 issues. Both of them were great, great runs. Absolutely awesome runs. There were moments in those in those series that made my jaw drop, made me laugh, made me gasp. There were moments in those that just made those comics stand out in my mind. So when they said there was another Vader run, I'm like, Jesus, now we've had Target Vader, we had Vader Dark Visions, we had Vader Down. Like, we, we had all these other Vader stories. Do we really need another one? Yes, I'm saying it. Yes, we need this Vader run. This is going to be because in every single Vader run we've gotten so far, it was a different Darth Vader. It was Darth Vader at a different point in his life. When we got the first Vader run, it was between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. It was Vader kind of being seasoned being Vader. He's been Vader for a while. You know, he's he's part of the Empire. He's he's literally he's dealing with the fact that the Death Star was destroyed on his watch. And it dealt with his relationship with the Emperor. Trying to find out who the pilot was that blew up the Death Star. Awesome run. We ended that run. Then we come upon the second Vader run, which I like to call Vader Year One. And it was the moment he got put into the suit moving forward. So he was an, he was an unrefined Vader. He was still pissed off. He was still mourning the loss of, of Padme. He was trying to come up. He was in denial about Padme. Trying to come up with ways to bring her back. And, and, and dabbling with dark force magic, trying to figure out a way to bring Padme back. That is an awesome Vader. Just an angry, pissed off Vader all the time. I mean, I get it. Vader was a bad dude in the classic trilogy, but he was a little more reserved, a little more in control of himself than what he was in Vader Year One. What I like to call Vader Year One. Vader Dark Visions was kind of different because it, it painted Vader. The first issue painted Vader more of a savior than, than a menace. Depending on your point of view. There were stories about Vader and Vader Dark Visions that were awesome to read. One of my favorite ones was the Imperial officer that was trying to catch this rebel Ewing, knowing Vader was on his way to interrogate the rebels, but he hadn't caught him yet. And he was doing everything he could to get those rebels, driving down the throat of a space worm, trying to start a story down the throat of a space worm to try to get these things. Awesome, awesome comic. Loved, loved tar uh, uh, Vader Dark Visions. Then we come up with Vader, uh, Target Vader, which brought back uh, Valance, I think is how you say his name, from Legends, the cybernetic ex-imperial bounty hunter. Good run. Really good run. It got a little repetitive, but it was really, really good. Really enjoyed it quite a bit. Tar uh, Vader Down, I know that took place during the Vader and Star Wars comics, but that was a story arc that was 
awesome. I loved the Vader Down comic. So now we're moving up with this Darth Vader issue number one. I'm really looking forward to this time. You know, he's still that seasoned Vader, but now he knows he has family out there. He knows that his family, that his son is still alive. He he knows he's he's come face to face with him again. He's he's tried to talk to Luke and explain to him, hey, you need to come with me. We can do this if you do this. Obi-Wan didn't tell you what happened to him. No, I am I'm your father. Trying to convince Luke that Obi-Wan lied to him. Which I guess he kind of did from a certain point of view kind of thing. But now watching him having to deal with that in the background and Luke refusing, knowing that the one family member you have left was like, nope, sorry, out deuces. That's something I'm really looking forward to. And the fact that he's going to be raging across the galaxy, I can see him raging across the galaxy more in this than Kylo Ren was looking for the Emperor in Episode Nine. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this. And the way they worded it too, uh, he's looking at he's looking for everybody who had a hand in corrupting his son, corrupting his son. That is awesome. I cannot wait for this comic. This is going to be absolutely great. Uh, issue number one of that hits on February fifth, twenty twenty. I'm I'm over the freaking moon about this comic series. I I want it now. I want it now. And hopefully it runs concurrently with the new Star Wars run, the way the first Vader and Star Wars runs did for a little while. I'm hoping that they still kind of cross over back and forth. So we'll see. Uh, moving on, another comic that's coming out this year, another ongoing series that they've announced is Bounty Hunters. Number one comes out on March 4th, 2020. And I, I feel like they did this run because they brought this uh, Valance back into canon and it was very well received. And they were like, well, shit, let's just give him his own comic run. A lot like Dr. Aphra was with uh, being introduced in Vader number three and then getting her own comic later on at the end of that run. Uh, Bounty Hunters, I, I don't know exactly when this takes place. There hasn't been anything that said exactly when. I'm assuming since all these ongoing series are going at the same time, they're all taking place between Empire and Jedi. I'm assuming. I don't know that to be true. I, I, this one, I don't know where it is. The other two, I know. This, the other three, I know. But this one, I'm not sure. So the description for Bounty Hunters goes as follows. Years ago, Valance and fellow Bounty Hunters Bosk and Boba Fett took on a mission that went sideways in a bad way after Valance's mentor, Nakano Lash, violently betrayed them. Valance's team barely escaped with their lives. He never thought he'd face his old mentor ever again until Lash finally resurfaces under mysterious circumstances. Every bounty hunter in the galaxy wants a piece of Valance, uh, wants a piece, and Valance is hell-bent on getting to the prize first. He has a score to settle, but so does Boba Fett. Holy shit, this sounds awesome. And you want to know something. When I first read this description, and I don't know this to be true, I don't have anything that backs this up, but when I first read this, I was wondering... You know, we, we got rumors that there was going to be a bounty hunter movie at one point with Boba Fett at the you know as at front and center, and it got put on the back burner because of Josh Trank's behavior or whatever. However the hell that went down, it got put on the back burner, and now we've, we're getting this comic. I can't help but wonder if they took that story, like you know this this Target Vader series came out and everybody received val uh, Valance so well and they're like, hey, we need to do a Valance story. Let's do a Valance comic. Uh, but what story are we going to tell? Well, you know, we have that unused bounty hunter story that Josh Trank was going to work on. Let's just bring that in and put Valance in it. And we'll just make it a comic run. I, I, I really do feel like that's what this was because they've been talking about doing a bounty hunters uh, project for a long time. 
They've talked about doing bounty hunters for a long, long time. And if that's what this is, I am so stupidly excited for this. I cannot wait. This is going to be an awesome story. I, I, I said Target Vader was kind of a... They got her a little repetitive. They kept trying to take out Vader, never make it. Take out Vader, didn't make it. This is something I feel like... if This is going to be an ongoing series. They could really, really delve into some really good character development here. Because... Keep in mind, I know who Valance was in the EU, in the Legends stuff, but I wasn't really well adept knowing anything. I knew of him, but I didn't know a lot about him. Now that he's been brought back into canon, I'm learning a little bit more about this character, and it's awesome. I even have the, the uh, Legends comic that came out the same time as Target Vader number 1 that reintroduced Valance, and it was the old EU comics that had him in it. I, I have that too, and I went through that, and I was like, dude, this guy sounds like a badass. And now that he's back, I'm, I'm really excited to read this comic. I can't wait for it. Uh, so that is set for release on March 4th, 2020. Let me know, guys. What do you guys think about this one? I'm so excited. Uh, and then the last comic that we have titled so far, we're going to talk about another comic here in a second, but the last comic that we have titled that we know is coming out this year uh, is Dr. Afro number one. And this will be picking up after Empire Strikes Back. I don't know how long this is going to go. Uh, this one is set for April of 2020. We don't have an exact release date just yet. Uh, but April of 2020, we're going to be getting Dr. Afro number one again. Dr. Afra, that entire comic was one that I know a lot of people weren't fans of. I really did enjoy Dr. Afra quite a bit. I do believe that Dr. Afra was two different almost two different characters between the when she was in the Vader run and what her own comic was. And maybe I need to go back and reread the Vader comic. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I, the way I remember it, she was kind of two different characters. But, I mean, that's not necessarily a, a bad thing, I guess. But I'm looking forward to this Dr. Afra run. And, and, you know, like I said, a lot of people weren't big fans of Afra. I kind of like the idea of an archaeologist in Star Wars. I kind of like that idea a little bit. Because she's kind of the – I don't want to say she's an Indiana Jones because she's nowhere near as cool as Indiana Jones. But she's kind of the Indiana Jones of the Star Wars universe. And through her, they were able to introduce uh, some ancient Jedi lore – and some different Jedi orders that were that are extinct at this point. Some technology that we didn't know existed. There was a sniper rifle that shot light that, that was powered by kyber crystals that shot lightsaber blades. Holy shit, that's cool. Uh, one of the thing, one of the biggest problems I had with the the old Afro run though, was that this seems to be the only girl, the only person in the galaxy that when Vader is after her, she gets away every time. Like, it just seems like when Vader goes after somebody, he gets them. Vader always gets his guy. But when he goes for Afra, she got away from him so many times. Never should have happened. Never should have happened. Dr. Afra of all people. And the last issue of the last run of Dr. Afra, the first run, I was rolling my eyes during the last issue going, are you kidding me? Really? She's booby. She's leading Vader into booby traps. That's how she's going to keep him from following her for say are you serious but with all that being said the story arcs that we went through with dr afro in the first run i i was a fan of the only one i wasn't a big fan of and honestly it was half the run it was when she and triple zero had the bombs implanted in their heads and if they got too far apart boom like i wasn't a huge fan of that it just seemed like it was just dragged on and on and on uh but for the most part the run was pretty good she really was. You learn a lot about Afra. You learn how selfish she is and 
you know, the only other time we've ever gotten Afra outside this comic was in From a Certain Point of View. There was a short story in there with Afra in it. So I'm hoping we see more Afra in novels. I'm hoping to see more of her in some other mediums as well. But uh, yeah, no, this this comic, I'm hoping can take her to the next level. I'm hoping it takes her story arcs to the next level where you're like, okay, now that we've got all this established, let's really focus on this. And I'm hoping that's what they do. So uh, Dr. Afra, number one set for April 2020. And like I said, I don't know how long that one's going to go either. The, I, I'm assuming all four of these are going to be ongoing series. I really do. And I'm sure we'll get some smaller runs sprinkled throughout, you know, from some more four, five, six issue runs. And I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a comic adaptation of uh, Rise of Skywalker in there somewhere. That's probably going to be six or seven issues. So uh, keep an eye out for Dr. Afra number one. The other thing we want to talk about that I want to talk about here for a minute, and this is something we got a little bit of info on toward the end of last year, and they said after the first of the year you'll get some more info on it. So hopefully here in the next couple few weeks, maybe the next month, month and a half, we will get uh, some info on this particular story. And that is this thing called Project Luminous. Project Luminous was something that was announced last year, and I know Del Rey is the one that announced it, but I guess it's going to be a big collaboration between Del Rey, Lucasfilm Press, Marvel, IDW Comics, and I want to say there was one more, and I don't remember what it was. It might be those four. But anyway, certain authors are attached. Claudia Gray is attached, uh, and, and some, other, some other authors. I don't remember the, all of them off the top of my head. Nobody knows what this is yet. Nobody has any idea what this is yet. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a big collaboration between all the different mediums. And I've seen some uh, rumors, which we'll talk about some rumors in a little bit that are attached to this, but we're not going to talk about this part of it once we get there. I guess there's some rumors that this is supposed to be introducing the next era of Star Wars that they're going to be exploring. I don't know if there's any truth to that or not. I have no idea. All I know is that they've announced it, and those are the, those are the four publishers that are going to be involved in it. and i know claudia gray's attached and oh uh daniel jose older's attached to it which i okay that's cool i wasn't a fan of the only book he's written so far last shot uh i don't remember who else was attached to it though but anyway so that's coming we're gonna have to stay tuned and see what more project luminous is hopefully like i said we'll get some more info before long so with all of that listed with all the novels and the comics coming out this year where do we sit with Star Wars material? What do we know is confirmed so far? Everything that I've talked about so far is confirmed. We know Season 2 of The Mandalorian is coming, which they're teasing some Star Wars legacy characters being shown in the next season. Cool. You know, we had that, that tease tweet of Ray Park dressed as Darth Maul. Oh my god, please. So we know Season 2 of The Mandalorian is coming. We know the Obi-Wan series is coming. Not necessarily this year, but we know the Obi-Wan series is coming. We know the Cassian Andor series is coming. I'm very excited about the Cassian Andor series. And we know that Clone Wars Season 7 is dropping on February 17th on Disney+. Plus. That's just over a month away. Holy crap. Bring it on. That's everything we know so far. And, and I know there's rumors for a bunch of other stuff we're going to talk about next, but as of right now, that's everything we have confirmed. So uh, it's going to be a good year for canon. It's it's going to be a lot of stuff. No film. That's okay. It doesn't necessarily always have to be a film to, to be excited about. So let's talk about some I, – I labeled this in my notes as news, but none of it is actually news. It's all rumor. It really is. Uh, but 
where the rumors are coming from is interesting because this is just uh, take all of this with a grain of salt this entire next i guess half hour we're going to talk about this stuff take all of these rumors with a grain of salt none of all of these could be true none of these could be true a couple of them could be a couple of them may not be we don't know but it's something to talk about this is some stuff that we really do need to cover because if some of this is true holy shit there's some really cool stuff coming down the line and at the same time there's some really stupid stuff coming down the line so let's talk about some of this uh before i get into the rumors themselves apparently a lot of this comes from a disgruntled employee that was fired from lucasfilm and released a lot of these leaks or whatever a lot of this information but i guess where he's le where he released it on is very reliable for information that has come out that ended up being true later on down the road some other leaks that came out, i guess but whatever but still take all this with a grain of salt the first rumor i want to talk about this week and it's this is kind of the big one depends on what you're interested in to me this is the big one and this is the most realistic honestly this is one that really does seem like it's going to happen at least in my opinion the rumor right now this particular rumor is that the next star wars saga is going to be set during an era called the high republic era and it's going to be set 400 years before the skywalker saga yoda will be a jedi in this a different kind of jedi he'll be a lot younger obviously he'll be what uh probably 400 and some odd years old 500 and some so yoda is supposed to be in this thing according to the leak the rule of two for the sith has been established by darth bane uh this won't follow a trilogy format at all thank god and this is supposedly the project that benioff and weiss were working on before they left there's a lot to talk about if let's just talk for a second as if this is true if this is true if they come out tomorrow and announce all this stuff boom, 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 here's what it means for this saga or for this particular series of films you're still not going to see any bunch of sith in it we've got the rule of two obviously so you're going to see sith working behind the scenes a lot the way you did in the phantom menace attack of the clones revenge of the sith you're going to see a lot of the behind the scenes treachery crap well, I shouldn't say crap. It's good, but treachery crap. Because we know in Phantom Menace, Kiedi Mundi says the Sith have been extinct for over a millennium, thousand years. So at this point, they think the Sith have been gone for 600 years. Yoda being a younger Jedi is kind of interesting because I would almost rather Yoda not be in this. It's going to be cool to see a younger Yoda. Yeah, it's awesome. But I would almost rather not see any connection whatsoever to what we have now. To, to, to the Skywalker saga, to this entire time period. I would almost rather completely start fresh, see new people, explore new planets, completely get away from the old formula and just do a new modern Star Wars. Do, do Star Wars modernly. Do it the way it works now. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm going to lose my mind. If this is true, if I go to see this first movie and, and Jedi Knight Yoda pops up, I'm going to lose my freaking mind. Don't get me wrong. But I almost feel like it could be a little jarring to shoot back that far all of a sudden out of nowhere. I'm excited for this. I can't wait. I hope this is – I hope it's true. I hope all of this – well, I don't hope all of this is true, but I hope the most – I hope this part of it is true. And this would be awesome, you know, because we had Age of, of Republic, Age of Rebellion, Age of Resistance. It would be nice if this was Age of High Republic or something like that, but I guess it would still all fall under Age of Republic. But they're going to be calling this the High Republic era. This is the Old Republic era. 
They just don't want to call it Old Republic. That's exactly what this is. So I'm hoping that this is true. I hope that we get more information. I hope they end up coming out later and saying, you know what? Yeah, that leak came out. Yeah, we're, we're doing it. And, you know, we don't have a celebration lined up at all. We don't know. There's no celebration lined up for this year, is there? Not that I know of. There's no celebration. So, I mean, what – when are you going to announce some stuff like this? There's, I mean, obviously, I feel like they're taking a step back for a while and cooling their heels and letting some stuff just kind of glide for a while before they really start to gear up with more Star Wars stuff. Eventually, I feel like they're going to come out and say, hey, Star Wars Celebration is announced for this year. And then when that celebration rolls around, they're going to announce – all kinds of crap that's just like, oh, we're doing this, 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 and this. Holy Jesus. Okay, cool. But I don't see a problem with them taking a step back and doing something like this. Because if this is the next film set to release in what, what was it, 2022? I think it's in 2022. It's set to release in just shy of three years. If it's December of 2022, like all the rest of them should have been, then it's going to be just shy of three years out. They need to start working on this. And if this is going to, if this is the film that's coming out in 2022, they should be at the stage of production of this where they know this is what's going on. So that's why I kind of lend some some credence to this. This is why I'm like, oh, that, there might be something to that, especially since we've been hearing rumors about old, uh, the older public for years and that they were going to focus on that after the Skywalker saga. All of this lines up perfectly. Uh, so I'm excited to see this. The fact that they even mentioned that Darth Bane has set the rule of two for the Sith excites me he's my favorite sith lord to this day i cannot wait I, i'm hoping obviously probably won't get to see him in the show but i'm hoping to get a lot of information on him a lot of you know kind of what he went through why he established the, the rule of two and i'm hoping is that trilogy of books back here that i can put on the canon shelf i'm hoping to god that's what it is so supposedly the next saga will be uh high republic and they're and you know if they're getting away from the trilogy format awesome thank god get away from it you know, I was talking on my spoiler review for The Rise of Skywalker. I found an article that had uh, Bob Iger talking to Kathleen Kennedy saying trilogies are hard. No, they're not. Trilogies aren't hard. I don't know why they think trilogies are hard. I don't get it. But whatever. If, if you feel more comfortable telling stories in a format like this, awesome. Do it. Do it. Do a film. And... and Sit down and know where the hell you're going with your story before you do it, though. That's all I'm saying. So uh, that's the rumor right now as far as films are concerned. Uh, very, very excited about that. I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that this one's true. I'm hoping somewhere down the line I can hop on a podcast episode and report to you that this is happening. I'm hoping to God I can. So be ready for that. The next rumor I want to talk about is one that really doesn't have a lot to back it up. But if this happens, this is cool. This is really cool, and it'll, I think it'll make a lot of people happy. And this rumor is that there's a new animated series in the works with Dave Filoni at the helm uh, involving Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker training his new Jedi Order. This could be so cool if you do it right. And with Dave Filoni behind the helm, I'm not worried. If this turns out to be true, remember, take all this with a grain of salt. If this turns out to be true... This will be an awesome animated series. And I think it lends itself well to an animated series. I think that's a great medium to tell that story in. I think that would be awesome. And you could even build up and, you know, if he's building his new order, right? Obviously, Ben Solo is going to be a character in this series. You could start to see the twisting of Snoke with Kylo's mind and kind of starting to seduce him to the to the dark side a little bit more. You may learn more about Snoke during this, se this series, if this is true. 
this could be absolutely awesome. This could be awesome. And with Mark Hamill attached, that would, Jesus, that'd be so cool. That'd be so cool. Uh, there's also rumors, this is another rumor, of a sequel series to Rebels in the works right now that is actually set to release this year. This is what the rumor says, that this series is set to release this year, fall of this year. We haven't, we haven't had anything yet. No announcement for anything like this yet. But that the sequel series to Rebels will follow Sabine and Ahsoka looking for Ezra. Thank God. If this is true, thank God. And you know, if this is true, we should be getting an announcement very, very soon. Eh, probably around April. I can see April getting an, an announcement that this series is happening. I looked at uh, registered, uh, registered patented Star Wars names, recently patented, and there's nothing that really seems like it would be a title for this series. But that's okay. It doesn't matter. It could be called Star Wars Dead Puppies, and it would be about the story, and I'd still watch it. Doesn't matter what the title is. Uh, but I'm very, very excited about that aspect. That's a story that I'm really hoping for and I'm really wanting. I really want to see how that goes. And it's something that was just cut off and never touched on again. Never. The closest you ever got to anything being touched on those characters again was Ahsoka's cameo, voice cameo in Episode Nine. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. So I, that's, I, that's it. So I'm I'm over the moon excited for this. And if this is the case, if Dave Filoni is working, because he's supposed to be attached to this series too. If both of these series are happening and Dave Filoni is attached to both of them, he's going to be a busy man. He's going to be busy with the Mandalorian. He's going to be busy with the, Mark, with the Luke Skywalker series. He's going to be busy with this Rebel sequel series. Anybody who's really hoping he's going to take over Lucasfilm probably needs to cool their heels just a little bit. Because I was too for for the last couple of weeks. I'm like, oh man, I hope he does. But probably needs to take a step back and go, that's eh, probably not going to happen. So I'm looking forward to the aspect of, or to the prospect of this game coming out. Or this game, this, this TV series coming out. I'm so excited. I said game because the next thing on the list. Uh... The next rumor that came out of all of this was that there's a new video game in production at EA titled Jedi Fallen Hope. Jesus, you are killing me. This is awesome. If they, if they are working on this, this is so cool. If they're keeping all of this under wraps. Now, I was talking about Project Luminous earlier. The rumor that came along with this was that Project Luminous was going to be attached to all of these projects. And that they were this is how they were going to introduce the next era of storytelling. Storytelling. And that they were going to kick it off with a video game. Now, I know damn good and well that there's not a sequel to Jedi Fallen Order that just came out in November getting ready to drop in two months. I know damn good and well that's not happening. However, there could be DLC coming we don't know about. There could be an expansion to the game that we don't know about. I'm not saying that's what it is. I doubt that's what it is. But it's possible. But if they're working on another game called Jedi Fallen Hope, Obviously, they had a plan, because for those of you who haven't played Jedi Fallen Order yet, I'm going to spoil something for you if, if you want to keep watching. If not, skip ahead about 10 seconds, starting now. Jedi Fallen Order was kind of left open-ended, where they could have kept going into the universe and do whatever. They kind of left it open for a sequel. If they are working on a sequel to this game... I loved Jedi Fallen Order. I, I beat it. I lost my mind over the ending of it. I couldn't... I, I, I'm excited. I look forward to playing it every time. I'm on my second playthrough right now. 
because my game got deleted, my, my save game got deleted. It's just shit's been happening. Shit's been getting deleted on my stuff like crazy. So I just started over, but I'm playing on Jedi Grandmaster difficulty, and that's what my new gameplay. I, like the first two parts of my Jedi Fallen Order playthrough are blind. Part three, I've already beat the game, but I'm going through it on the hardest difficulty, and from now on, it's going to be that way. And then once that's out, I'm going to do a proper review for the game. But if this is the sequel to that game, I'm losing my mind over this. I absolutely loved Jedi Fallen Order. I absolutely loved it. I had a blast playing that game. It, it got a little repetitive. Not bad, just a little repetitive trying to get all the chests afterwards. Totally awesome game, though. Absolutely great. That was the best game that has come out since Knights of the Old Republic. Not better than Knights of the Old, Knights of the Old Republic, but since Knights of the Old Republic. This is the best Star Wars game that's come out. So I'm looking, if this is true, I'm hoping that that, I mean, that would go right along with it. And I can already tell you what's going to happen. If that's the title, I can already tell you what's going to happen in that story. If a certain somebody, the main character, I guess you could say, of Jedi Fallen, one of the main characters, goes to the dark side. I can almost tell you that right off the bat. If that's what, if this is what the name of it is, that's my prediction. So I'm looking forward to, and if this is the case, man, they could do a lot with this game. They could take what they what was right about Jedi Fallen Order and tweak it and make it even better. Because there were things in Jedi Fallen Order I really liked. There were things that I think could have been done better. And I think if they improve upon them, they've got something really, really great. So hopefully this is uh, something that's really going to happen. The next rumor out of this whole batch of everything that came out is that, and this one's going to chap some people's it's going to chap some people. <laughs> uh, and I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it right now after watching Rise of Skywalker. There's a rumor that Ryan Johnson's trilogy is still in the works. And whether or not he was going to do it, still do it, depended on how Rise of Skywalker did. I guess if Rise of Skywalker did well, that means people liked The Last Jedi. I guess is what they were looking at, and that's why they were. If, if Rise of Skywalker bombed, that means people weren't happy with Last Jedi, and they were they weren't going to have him do this trilogy. But now that Rise of Skywalker has almost made a billion dollars, I'm assuming that this is probably going to happen. Uh, Ryan Johnson's trilogy, I guess, is looking better and better, like it's actually going to happen, whether you like it or not. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it after Rise of Skywalker, because I watched, I went back and watched Force Awakens and Last Jedi again after watching Rise of Skywalker. And I feel like, as standalone films, which I still feel like they all are standalone films, I don't see this as a trilogy at all, uh, but as standalone films, Force Awakens was, is, is good. They, they hadn't misstepped yet at that point, I don't think. I think the misstep came with Last Jedi. After I've, knowing what I know now, watching Last Jedi, I think Last Jedi was the misstep. And a lot of that does fall on Ryan Johnson with some of the direction he took the uh, the film and the trilogy. I, I, I do think that the, the misstep was in Last Jedi. And I hate to say that because I, I still – Last Jedi is decent for a standalone film, but as part of a trilogy, it doesn't work at all. It, it, it doesn't. None of this trilogy works, but Last Jedi doesn't work as part of this trilogy at all. So if Ryan Johnson is – actually going to sit down and do a full trilogy beginning to end okay i'll see what that is I'll, I'll, I'll see what it is but if he's coming in in the middle of a trilogy i wouldn't do that again but i'm excited to see what he can do with a new set of characters that people don't already have emotional attachments to 
and with a story that people may really want to know about, maybe a story that does matter that we're like, oh, you know what? That's that's a good idea. If you can find a story that people can get invested in, cool. Do it. Um, I can tell you right now his trilogy is going to bomb because I know how Star Wars fans are. It's going to bomb. Uh, but it is what it is. So I, I guess his trilogy is probably still in the works. And actually, it probably just got the green light to go ahead and go with how much money Rise of Skywalker's made so far. The last rumor I want to talk about on this big batch is one that I, whatever. I'm, I'm At first, I was kind of mad about it, but the more I think about it, I'm just indifferent. I don't care. Uh, you know, I had my buddy Danny Sanderson on the podcast a couple of episodes ago. And uh, I haven't talked to him about this yet. I haven't even brought it up. I haven't even told him about it yet. So, Danny, if you're watching this, man, you're about to lose your mind. He kept bringing up the idea of a Star Wars musical. And uh, we were like, no, no, that'll never happen. That's stupid. That'll never happen. I'll be damned if in this rumor batch it doesn't say that they're working on a Broadway musical set after The Rise of Skywalker titled Echoes of the, of the Future. And it's going to follow Ray. I kid you not. I I I don't know how Danny knew this. I don't. I, it's just dumb luck, I guess. Danny, you were right, man. Star Wars musical is probably coming. And you want to know something? At first, I was upset about this because I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of for Star Wars. But then I think about it. I would go if if I live in, close to Wichita. If I found out there was a show in Wichita called Empire Strikes Back on Ice, I would probably go. <laughs> like, I, 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 like, at first I was like, this is the dumbest thing ever. Nobody's going to go to this thing. I would go to a Star Wars musical. So if I'm ever in New York and this thing is playing, I'm probably going to be like, you know what, let's go check it out. I'm probably going to. So I, like, at first I was like, no, this is stupid. But now I'm like, you know what, this not whatever. I'm more indifferent about it at this point. I'm not excited for it. I'm not dreading it. If it happens, it happens whatever but does that mean it's gonna be canon a musical canon i guess so uh if this happens cool i guess but honestly I, and you know i wouldn't doubt this being a thing because with star wars being what it is the juggernaut that it is I, if you want to include the sequel trilogy in that or not it doesn't matter it, it's juggernaut star wars is a name to be feared if you're going up against a star wars movie if, you, if you're making a movie and you stick a flag in the calendar somewhere and you find out there's a Star Wars movie opening the week before, you're done. You might as well just move. So Star Wars is a, is a juggernaut name. And if they've got all these other mediums, comic books, novels, TV shows, movies, video games, all this other stuff, why not do a Broadway musical? Might as well just cap it off. Put another feather in your hat, Lucasfilm. You might as well. So I... Take it with a grain of salt. Take everything we just talked about with a grain of salt. All of it with a grain of salt. All of it could happen. None of it could happen. One thing out of everything could happen. One thing might not happen and everything else might. I don't know. Time will tell. Uh, let me know in the comments section what you guys think of some of these rumors. Uh, what you'd be okay with. What you wouldn't be okay with. Keep it civil. Uh, I look forward to reading your guys' responses. That pretty much does it for the rumor mill. And for the news, and uh, I know, man, I told you this is going to be a long episode. Uh, I got a couple more things I want to talk about. We're going to get back in, uh, into mailbag questions after that, and then we're going to wrap up the episode. So uh, I got a question on, or it wasn't a question, there was a comment on my spoiler review of 
The Rise of Skywalker on, on episode 30. And it was from FMF Productions. And uh, they simply said, you should rank uh, the Star Wars movies in the next podcast. This is something that I haven't done before. I've ranked the comics. I've ranked the novels. I've, I've, I've ranked a lot of stuff. But I've never done the films. I think at one point I was working on it. But the episode never happened because I was going to rank everything in canon. Comics, novels, films, TV, everything in one massive ranking video. And that never happened. That was, and God, that was two years ago that I was working on that. So I've never ranked the films. And I actually had to sit down and think about this for a while. Because when I, when I immediately walked out of Rise of Skywalker, I said the only film that I hated more than this one was Attack of the Clones. And I stood by that up until three or four days ago and I was thinking about it and I saw this comment about ranking the films and I've got my ranking here I've got them all listed and I have to say that I that I'm putting attack uh, I'm sorry attack of the clones above rise of Skywalker at this point I, I have to and I'll talk about why here in a little bit but let's go through this ranking here real quick I don't want to do any spoilers of this ranking but let's start with the start of this ranking uh, there were 12 films that I ranked. I think there's 12. Uh, nine Skywalker films, two standalones, makes 11, and then the Clone Wars. So I, I've ranked 12 films, the theatrical films. I've got to start number 12 with the Clone Wars. This is my least favorite Star Wars movie. It was, and the reason I put this one at the bottom, because this was the only Star Wars movie I ever went and saw in theaters. And halfway through it was looking at my watch going, is this thing over yet? I've got things I've got to go do. And I didn't want to get up and walk out, but I was about to. This, I mean, this is, that's the only one. That's the only reason this is at the bottom of the list. Uh, we got introduced to things like the term Sky Guy, you know, whatever. We introduced, we were introduced to Ahsoka Tano, which at first I hated that character. I hated Ahsoka Tano so much. And over the years, she's evolved as a character into something that I absolutely adore. She's one of my favorite Star Wars characters at this point. So it, this was kind of the introduction and really the introduction to the Clone Wars series, which none of us really knew what this series was going to be yet when it was first started, when it first started to come out, when they announced it. Nobody really knew what it was going to be yet. So when this film came out, I was like, oh, Jabba the Hutt has a son. You'd be kidding me. I'm out. Screw this. So even today, when I go back and watch the Clone Wars film, I have a hard time watching it. Not a fan of it. So that's why it's number 12 on my list as far as films go. Number 11 on my list is The Rise of Skywalker. And I'm not, and I'm not putting it that far down on the list to be cool or hip. I'm not doing it for more views. I'm not doing it for, for more subscribers. I genuinely did not enjoy Rise of Skywalker that much at all. And... For those of you who have watched my, my spoiler review, I've given my reasons. I, I stand by those reasons. Actually, some one of the reasons actually got worse. I you know One of the things I said I didn't like about the film was how they did it three times in the movie. They killed somebody just to bring him back in the next scene. And I was wrong. I started looking at some of the, the comments. People were like, no, they did it like four or five times, six times in the movie. And if you count Emperor Palpatine, they did it six times in this movie. So it was it's just gotten worse the more I think about it. Rise of Skywalker is bottom of the list for me as far as live action films go. Bottom of the list. And and I'll, I'll explain why it it dethroned Attack of the Clones in my opinion here in a second. 
was not a fan of Rise of Skywalker. Number 10 on my list is Attack of the Clones. This was the bottom of my list for the longest time. And the only reason that it has now been bumped up above the Rise of Skywalker is that I know Attack of the Clones had some cringeworthy dialogue in it, talking about sand, and the love story between Padme and Anakin was just like, ugh, God. But at least they built up to the love story with Anakin and Padme in this one. Not that awkward kiss between Rey and Kylo. That was that, that, that made no sense. At least Episode 2 had a story. Episode 2 had a story. Whether it was a good story or not, it had a story. More so than I feel like Episode 9 did. So Episode 2 has been bumped up. It really has. Uh, Attack of the Clones was one of those that the first time I saw it in the movie theater, it came out in 2002, May of 20, 2002, so it, I was, what, 13? I was a dumb kid. I walked out of that movie going, dude, that was an awesome movie. But now that I've grown up a little bit more and I'll keep watching, I was like, dude, this, this isn't great. I mean, it's not... Now that I've seen Rise of Skywalker, I know Attack of the Clones isn't horrible, but it's not great. It is my least favorite of the prequels, uh, and I feel like Episode 2 should... At one point, I, I believed Episode 2 should have been stricken, moved Episode 3 up to where Episode 2 was, and made a new Episode 3 to kind of bridge the gap. So, uh, a lot of the same way I feel about the sequel trilogy now with Episode 8 and Episode 9. So... Uh, the next one on my list, 11, or no, I'm sorry, 12, 11, 10th on my list was uh, Attack of the Clones. Number nine moving up is The Phantom Menace. It was one of those Star Wars movies where you could completely take it out of the equation and it doesn't matter. You could pick up it, as much as I hate episode two, you could pick up at episode two and keep on going with the story and never have to see anything that happened in episode one. It's kind of its own self-contained story. It was cool seeing where Anakin came from and how he and Padme kind of met and and whatnot but it's it's one of those things where i understand people when they when they watch star wars they don't care about politics they they just don't i i don't care that much about politics in star wars the, the politics of the galaxy is what i'm getting at and i know you can't have a war without politics all wars are fought because of politics or oil i guess there's no oil in star wars so politics but I feel like episode one kind of really rammed the politics down the throat. You know what I mean? Like it was just all the Senate stuff was kind of unnecessary at the time. It was just one of those things where it was like, God, this is boring. Why? And, and, and I know there was more and more of it in episodes two and three. But at least in episodes two and three, like you had the war going on with it. There was actually big battles going on. And it was really starting to get into kind of the character development of the stories in two and three a little bit more. But Phantom Menace ranks kind of low for me on my entire ranking. Like I said, I feel like it was an unnecessary story. Uh, Pod Racing was cool. Darth Maul was cool. He, Darth Maul was honestly the best thing that came out of Episode 1, in my opinion. Uh, number 8 on my list is Solo, A Star Wars Story. And this one's actually moved up on the list since I first watched the movie. Star, uh, Solo has kind of grown on me a little bit. When I first walked out of it, I was not a fan of it at all. And the more I watch Solo, the more I'm like, ah, this isn't bad, you know. And it wasn't anything that had to do with Alden Ehrenreich or anything like that. It was just I didn't really find myself caring that much about the story. The more I watched, the more I'm like, ah, oh, this is kind of cool. This is all right. And the novelization really helped a lot too, kind of turn my opinion of this movie around, which is what I'm hoping happens with Episode Nine. So Solo, a Star Wars story, is number eight on my list. 
Number seven on my list is the uh, the last prequel film on this list. It is Revenge of the Sith. This is the best of the prequels in my opinion. You know, we finally see the fall of Darth Vader. The entire last half of this movie is gold. The first half is okay. The second half is gold. Absolutely love Revenge of the Sith. Uh, it's It was a great ending to the prequel trilogy. We ended it on a dark note. We actually finally see the fall of Anakin Skywalker. What finally turned him to that point. And, and see that snap and that, that tragic fall of a character that we loved. You know, we hadn't seen the Clone Wars yet. That had, that wasn't a thing yet. But we had seen Anakin in episode – the that Anakin in episode two and had seen flashes of the dark side in him. And, and we saw that he still wanted to be a good person, especially at the beginning of episode three. We see he's happy where he's at in his life. He's married. He's got a kid on the way. He's happy where he is. And then to see all that ripped out of it, out of his hands – halfway through the movie goes to the dark side it's absolutely it adds more to the tragedy of darth vader now that clone wars is out it makes episode three even more gut-wrenching to sit and watch seeing everything obi-wan and anakin went through with clone wars and, and with padme to see where he ends up in episode three is heartbreaking you know and clone wars saved anakin as a character for me so uh, i'm putting revenge of the sith right there on uh at that point in the on the ranking Number six on the ranking is going to be Return of the Jedi. This was my... I love Return of the Jedi, don't get me wrong. But this is my least favorite of the classic trilogy. Uh, and it, it really, there's nothing I can really say badly about it. It's just that I liked the other films on the list more. And that's what it was. Uh, Return of the Jedi is a great, fun film. It's absolutely great. It was a good ending to that trilogy which I think another trilogy should have had, another good ending to their trilogy. But this was a good ending to the trilogy, to the classic trilogy. It really wrapped up what that what that story was for that trilogy. It really wrapped up its own story. It was the completion of the hero's journey as far as Luke was concerned. You know, so I really, really do enjoy Return of the Jedi. Uh, number fifth on my list, uh, I'm sorry, number five on my list, the fifth of the list is The Force Awakens. Now, I know I said that The Rise of Skywalker made me dislike the sequel trilogy as a trilogy. But if I'm ranking films, standalone films, like I said earlier, Force Awakens is not a bad film in and of itself, in, in its own right. I do enjoy The Force Awakens as a film, not as the start of a trilogy. Uh, Force Awakens brought back Star Wars. It showed everybody at the time that Star Wars was back and that it was it was going to be in a golden age of Star Wars. Brought back the characters we loved, everything like that. Absolutely, I, I, it was it was it was absolutely well executed. It was very well executed. Uh, fourth on my list is going to surprise some people. It's Last Jedi. Uh, there was a time where Last Jedi was actually top of the list for me, and now and look, I, I do like Last Jedi more than Force Awakens as a, as a standalone film. I like Last Jedi better than Force Awakens as a trilogy. I hate Last Jedi being in this trilogy, if that makes any sense. Last Jedi is a good standalone Star Wars movie. It has no business whatsoever being in the middle of a trilogy. Uh, so that's that's where I'm going to rank number four on my uh, on my film list. Number three, I think these next three are pretty much going to be the same as anybody else now that I've kind of taken a step back and looked at it. But number three is A New Hope. This is the original Star Wars. This is what got me in love with the universe. This is what won me over as a child that loved Star Wars. Great movie. A very self-contained movie. You could never watch another Star Wars movie after this one, and it makes total sense. Good guys win. Uh, absolutely loved it. 
number two on my list, I was kind of, I was trying to decide, these last two, I was trying to decide which one was number one, which one was number two. Because they're, they're really, really close neck and neck with me. But I have to give number two to Rogue One. Rogue One of Star Wars Stories number two. Mainly because Empire Strikes Back is just as classic as it will ever be. It's my number one. Uh, I really do enjoy Rogue One a lot. It, I think it's the best film in the Disney era. I think it's absolutely the best film in the Disney era. Uh, this film is what all of the standalone movies should have been. This is the film. Look, I, moving forward with this Old Republic stuff, if they if they end up doing that, they need to take some of the tone, I guess you could say, from Rogue One. I don't want to say the tone, maybe the look of what Rogue One was, and really try to capture that with this new. Because Rogue One was a beautifully shot film. It was absolutely gorgeously shot. The story made sense. It actually made other stories in Star Wars make sense. It was very well done. And I know a lot of people are going into it really worried with all the reshoots and everything like that. I think Rogue One turned out beautiful. I think it's absolutely the best film Disney has made. And I think that's the gold standard for Disney from now on is Rogue One. And number one on my list is The Empire Strikes Back, mainly because that is the film that just anytime you watch that movie, it hits you in the gut every day. It doesn't matter how many times you watch it. When you sit and watch beginning to end and, and you go through that fight with Luke and Vader and you actually go through all of the emotional parts of it with Luke just to find out at the end who his father actually is and watch him refuse him and jump. He'd rather die than join you know this guy that says he's his father and jumps down the pit. I mean, it's all of it. The Empire Strikes Back honestly is the perfect sequel. I, the Empire Strikes Back is, and I know people are going to argue with me saying, oh no, The Dark Knight was the perfect sequel to Batman Begins and stuff like that. That's cool. That's, The Empire Strikes Back is the perfect sequel in my opinion. The perfect sequel. It takes where we left off with our characters in the first film in A New Hope, picks up years later, they're in this situation, now in a completely different situation. We were on a desert planet, we were on a jungle planet. We're on an ice planet now. This is the absolute opposite of what we've ever seen in Star Wars so far. We're on this ice planet. The Empire's coming back in. They're pissed off about what happened in the first movie. They're they found the rebel base. You know, it's this the middle part of the hero's journey. We're introduced to another Jedi Master we didn't know existed at the time. We found the 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 prospect of Force Ghosts. That's a thing now. It introduced so much into the lore, and and really built off of what was already there that you had your characters established in the first film. We hit the ground running in, in Empire and just go and keep going. And I love it. Empire Strikes Back is the perfect sequel. So that's my number one favorite Star Wars film of all time. Uh, so I hope that kind of answers your question, uh, FMF Productions. I, I, I'm i glad you made that comment because, I, like I said, I have not done a film review just yet. So now I can say that I have. Uh, all right, moving on. Before we get to mailback questions, I've got a couple of reviews for you guys. Uh, a couple of things that I want to talk about here. The first thing, let's get this big one out of the way first. Uh, let's talk about The Mandalorian Season 1. This show, I'm assuming you guys, I'm, look, I'm going to talk about The Mandalorian like you guys have watched it. Okay? Because if you're, if, if you're as big, if you're big enough into Star Wars... Right, that you're watching a podcast or a, a YouTube channel, listening to a podcast talking about Star Wars canon material. I'm assuming you're a big enough nerd that you have downloaded Disney Plus and that you've watched The Mandalorian all the way through. 
considering the last episode of it was like two weeks ago. I'm assuming you're caught up at this point, okay? I, I think at this point there's no spoilers anymore with this series, so we're going to delve into this series. If you're if you're a Star Wars fan, you need to be watching this series. So, uh, The Mandalorian. Going into this, we knew it was the first live-action TV series ever for Star Wars. It was something I was extremely excited about. Uh, when I heard it was about a Mandalorian, I kind of went, oh, man, really? I like Mandalorians. I, I've always liked Mandalorians. But between Rebels and Clone Wars, I just got so much Mandalorian fatigue. That it just, they focused so much. There were entire story arcs based around Mandalorian, which is cool. But they just kept doing it over and over and over again. And now, after this series, I have a new, entirely new appreciation for Mandalorians. I have a completely new appreciation for them. This series, when I went into it, we watched the first episode. Me, Kirsty and I watched the first episode. And I was hooked from the first three minutes in. Absolutely hooked. Uh, this guy, the Mandalorian, is the ultimate Star Wars cowboy. And, I, you know, there were there were things in this season that were kind of teased that were never touched on again, which I'm going to talk about here in a minute. But this series shows what Lucasfilm can do with Star Wars when allowed to bloom. If you get what I'm saying, if 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 you get the right people involved, right, and you allow them to run with the story that they have, and you tell them you can do whatever you need to do, make this great. This is proof that Lucasfilm can do it right. In a lot of fans' eyes, Mandalorian is universally loved. There's a couple people who give it negative reviews, whatever. They're, they're allowed to not like it. But for the most part, Mandalorian's pretty much well-loved. And it shows what Lucasfilm is capable of when they try. When they try. This series did an excellent job with character development. It made me care about every character that came into it. It made me care about the Mandalorian story. It made me root for the Mandalorian. It showed me things in Star Wars that I didn't realize that I really needed to see. And that was Mandalorian fighting a Jawa sandcrawler full of Jawas. That was some of the... Awesome. I loved it. That's one of my favorite scenes in this entire series. That entire sequence. It was very Indiana Jones-esque. You know, it was just awesome, awesome sequence. You're introduced to this character that I guess is universally, obviously it's not a baby Yoda, but everybody calls it baby Yoda. Because what else are we supposed to call it? Baby Mary Sue? I said it. Uh, I stand beside, look, I'm going to talk about this for a second. I stand behind the the baby Yoda thing. I, I think it's a great character. I think it's a great plot point. I think it's, I think it's a great, I think, I think this character is a great character to build the first season around. It had people going, who the hell, what the heck is this? And it got people excited. It got people hyped. When they saw that first time you reached up and pulled a blanket down, you're like, oh, what? Awesome. 
But these people that hate the sequel trilogy and say, oh, Ray's just a Mary Sue, they love the Mandalorian. Baby Yoda's a Mary Sue. If you want to go by the definition of what a Mary Sue is and call Ray a Mary Sue, Baby Yoda's a Mary Sue also. Fight me. Fight me on it. He's a baby Sue, a baby Mary Sue. How does a baby, I know he's 50 years old, but they age differently. So his mentality probably ages the same way his body does. How does a baby know how to levitate a mudhorn, force choke Cara Dune? How does he know how to do all this stuff? Hold back the, the, uh, the flamethrower in the last episode. How does he know how to force heal? He just magically knows how to do all this? And I know you're sitting We don't know his story yet. Well, we didn't know Ray's story either, but everybody still called her Mary Sue. So by those toxic fans' definition, who hated the sequel trilogy but loved Mandalorian, Baby Yoda is a Mary Sue. By your same definition, by your words, he's a, he's a Mary Sue. I don't think so. But I'm just saying, by your definition of what a Mary Sue is, that's what Baby Yoda is. Anyway, Baby Yoda's introduced into this thing. I had to get that off my chest. It's been bugging me. Uh, and really started to show what the Mandalorian was willing to do in the name of honor. And, you know, we see some more Mandalorians. When all the Mandalorians come out of nowhere on, the, on the, I think it was the fourth episode, third episode, third or fourth episode. And they start shooting in the street. That was straight out of Clone Wars. It was straight out of Rebels. Absolutely amazing. Loved it. Uh, we had, I think it was the fifth episode that had all the fan service in it. I think that was the fan service episode where we went back to Moss Eisley, went back to the Moss Eisley Cantina. We saw this this young bounty hunter sitting in the same booth Han shot Greedo in. Uh, what else did we see in that uh, episode? In that episode that was fan service, I, there was there was more, but it was fun episode. It was a very very fun episode. Had a lot of fun with it. Uh, moving, we had another, we, whoa, let's see, we moved on to an episode that had Bill Burr in it. I love, look, I love Bill Burr. He's one of the funniest men on the face of the planet as far as I'm concerned. I love Evans for Family. He voices the father in that. Absolutely hilarious. I love Bill Burr's stand-up comedy. I love his podcast. I love all of his, I love Bill Burr. Absolutely hilarious. I don't necessarily agree with him everything, you know, everything that he talks about politically, which is fine. But he tells it the way it is. And when I saw him pop up in Star Wars, I was like, oh my god, that's Bill Burr. Where's the Bronx in the Star Wars universe? Where do you get that accent from? This is awesome. Uh, that same episode, we had Matt Lantner in it, who is the voice of Anakin in Clone Wars. We had some more cameos of Dave Filoni, Deborah Chow as X-Wing pilots in that episode. Absolutely awesome. But this series, look, one of these episodes, I talked about it a while ago. I said I'll talk about it here in a second. One of these episodes had kind of a cliffhanger ending to it. And it, I think it was the fan service episode where you see these uh, boots come up to this this target that the guy this guy killed. And you never really saw who it was. I'm assuming, I could be wrong, and, and maybe you guys know, maybe I just missed it. I'm assuming it was Carl Weathers' character. Now that I'm thinking about it, but was it? I don't remember. I'm going to have to go back and look. But anyway... It was kind of a cliffhanger thing at the very end of that. I don't know why Carl Weathers was on Tatooine, to be honest, because that was on Tatooine. So I'm assuming that it wasn't Carl Weathers' character. We never got an answer as to who that character was. And there's a lot of speculation. Me and Kirstie have talked about it quite a bit. 
uh, I know a lot of people are going, oh my god, it's Boba Fett. That's possible. I'm not saying you're wrong. It is possible that it's Boba Fett. Uh, Boba Fett would still be on Tatooine. He wouldn't have his armor at this point, but he's on Tatooine. Uh, in case you don't know, in the Aftermath trilogy, there were some interlude chapters throughout the throughout the uh, book that kind of told some other off-the-wall stories other where, uh, somewhere, somewhere else in the galaxy. And one of them was that this guy was a sheriff of a town. He came up on this dead Sarlacc outside of Jabba's palace, and he found this, this chewed-up Mandalorian armor sitting there. And so he took the armor and put it on, and it was his sheriff outfit for, for the town he lived in. So we're assuming that that was Boba Fett's armor. So he doesn't have his armor at this point. If that was Boba Fett, that's awesome. But I have another argument. And I could be completely off base. And, and you know, I, and I understand why people said it was Boba Fett, because you hear the, the, the saddle spurs as he walks up. That was always the sound you only ever heard with Boba Fett. But I have an alternative option. And it would be really cool to see. And considering who is making the series and who's in charge of it and how many connections we have to the Clone Wars and Rebels, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Cad Bane pop up at the end of this season. Or, you know, maybe in, in the next season. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all to find out that that was Cad Bane. Cad Bane was a cowboy. You know, so it would be really, really cool to see Cad Bane pop up in this. But... If we're talking The Mandalorian, we've got to talk about this last episode because the season finale of this show, look, I was already loving The Mandalorian as it was. I really liked the idea of this uh, Moff Gideon, I think is what his name was. He seems like he's going to be a character in season two that really is a good villain. He's that calm, collected villain who knows everything. That's terrifying. You know what I mean? Like he's... He's cold, calculating. He's calm. Calm villains are always the scariest to me. But we cannot ignore the final shot of this season and the reveal that came with this character at the end of the uh, at the end of the episode and what weapon he had. I did see a couple of people on a Star Wars page that I follow on Facebook saying, I don't get why is everybody losing their mind over this this sword. You've never watched Clone Wars or Rebels, apparently. You've never read Darth Maul's Son of Dathomir. This is the motherfucking Darth, uh, Darksaber. This is the, the... He has the Darksaber. The last person to have the Darksaber was Bo-Katan, if I'm not mistaken. So what happened? I want to know. When this TIE fighter crashed, right, and the Jawas are scrapping it, and you see the hole start to get melted through the side of it, it's like, oh, cool, okay, he's going to cut his way out. It was a plasma torch. He was halfway through the first cut before I realized what I was looking at, and it was the black core with the white light around it. And I was sitting on the couch. Kirstie was sitting on the other side. Like We have a section that's like an L shape. I was sitting on one side. She was sitting on the other. And as this blade started to make its second cut, I realized what it was. And I gasped, and I sat forward, and I said, babe, it's the fucking Darksaber. And she went, are you serious? And we realized that that's what it was. Now, remember, Kirsty's a huge Mandalorian fan. Kirsty loves everything Mandalorian. And when this, when he, when that panel fell off and he walked out with the Darksaber, I jumped off the couch, I threw my hands in the air, and I screamed. I, I had this 
emotional moment where I saw this thing in live action for the first time. And I, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it again. It brought me as much joy seeing that for the first time as the first time I watched The Last Jedi and I saw Puppet Yoda pop back up. I, I, I felt joy the first time I saw that. And I felt unadulterated joy seeing the Darksaber. And now I'm excited to see where that's going to play into things. Because think about all who has held that saber. Who has held that exact saber you saw him holding. Maul held it. Sabine held it. Bo-Katan held it. You know, there was an ancient Mandalorian Jedi that built the stupid thing. Holy crap, that's awesome. And honestly, I'm on this kick now with the Darksaber. That's my favorite lightsaber. That, that's my absolute favorite lightsaber weapon. Because I want to know what kind of kyber crystal is inside that thing that makes the blade do what it does. I think it's awesome. Because especially if you follow the lore now, the new kyber crystals, right? Where if you hold your crystal, it turns into whatever color kind of portrays you. And if you're a Mandalorian and you put a kyber crystal on a lightsaber and you activate it and it's black, what the hell does that say about you? That's awesome. I want to know more about it. Uh, I can't wait. I'm so excited about the next season of Mandalorian. I'm kind of pissed it's not coming until fall. But we've got plenty to keep us occupied until we get there. So uh, season one of The Mandalorian, you absolutely nailed it in my book. You you guys nailed the first ever live action TV series. Nailed it. Absolutely. I looked forward to seeing the next episode of that so much each week. I absolutely loved it. Good job. I cannot wait for season two. This has got me even more excited now for the Cassian Andor series and the Obi-Wan series. I want to see what I want to see what they what these uh, series are going to look like. I cannot wait. I'm, I'm this, you know, and, and I did an episode a couple episodes ago of the podcast. What is the future of Star Wars at this point? Is it on Disney Plus? And that was before I saw Rise of Skywalker. And, you know, after Rise of Skywalker, I was asking, is Star Wars in the right hands? So does Disney need to be focusing on more Disney Plus content, more serial stuff instead of films? I don't know. I mean, they're doing it with Marvel. They're focusing more on the TV. I mean, they're doing a few films with Marvel, but they're focusing a lot more on the Disney Plus stuff. Are they going to do the same thing with Star Wars? Do they need to? Because right now, The Mandalorian is some of the, not the, but some of the best stuff that has come out of Disney as far as Star Wars is concerned. I don't know. Let me know in the comment section below, guys. What do you guys think of The Mandalorian? Are you excited for Season 2? Especially if they're going to start bringing some legacy characters in. If they're going to do this legacy character thing, I hope they do it, but not overdo it. The way the fan service was in Episode 9. Don't overdo it. So, I'm excited to see some more characters as far as that's concerned. I'm so excited for Season 2. Bring it the hell on. Uh, and the other review I wanted to talk about here for a minute was Dooku Jedi Lost. Now, this was uh, a something different that Lucasfilm decided to do as far as a medium goes, telling a story. And at first, I was kind of upset about it, and I'll explain why. When they first announced this, this project, it was going to be an audiobook, uh, kind of a radio drama, if you will. It was an audio exclusive where you had to listen to it. And I'm not big on audiobooks. I never have been big on audiobooks. I'm more of a guy where I've got to actually sit down... And actually have the book in my hand and actually go and go through it, right? I'm not big on audiobooks. Never have been. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm, I guess I'll listen to this thing. And 
it came out and I didn't get my hands on it right away. I didn't download it right off the bat. And I remember telling everybody on my podcast at some point that they were going to come out with a hard copy of this thing. And, and, and they got to come out with some copy of, you know, some way to put it on a shelf. I was like, I'm going to wait. They're probably going to come out with a hard copy of it. And probably in October. I think I said that in March of last year, and I remember saying they're going to come out with it in October. And I'll be damned if in October they didn't release a hard copy of it and as the book. And when they announced that they were coming out with that book, I was like, you know what? I've got the audio version. I'm going to hold on to it, wait until I get the hardback version, and I'm going to read the hardback version and listen to the audio at the same time. I've never done that before. It might be a new, you know, a new aspect of reading the book. So I held on to it until the, the hard copy came out, and I was kind of surprised, and, and I should have known. I got the hard copy of Dooku Jedi Lost, and I was expecting kind of a novel format, and it wasn't. It wasn't a novel format at all, because I hadn't listened to, to the audio. I didn't know what format the, the book was, or the story was in. The book is simply the script. It's actually the screenplay script of the radio drama, which is kind of cool. Caught me off guard a little bit, but that's cool, whatever. I read the... William Shakespeare Star Wars books. I can read this. That's no big deal. So I came in here and I sat down at my computer and I pulled up the audio file and I started to listen to it while reading the book, going through it. And I got about an hour and a half in and realized that I I, I couldn't do it because the way the way the book is written, it if I was listening to, to just the audio, I don't think I would have gotten the full effect because it doesn't actually explain the setting of where you're at every time. The book explains the setting of everywhere you are. The problem is every time you switch to a scene, you're trying to read the description of where the scene's taking place and the audio's already going with the dialogue and you're trying to catch up. And I, I found I couldn't do both at the same time and I couldn't just listen to the audio. So I ended up reading only the book. I ended up reading it just as the book. So keep that in mind during this review. I didn't actually sit and listen to the audio itself to get all the sound effects, the music, everything like that. I just simply sat down and read the book, which is easier for me to get more of a mental picture of what's going on. So keep that in mind with this review. Um, Dooku Jedi Lost is a story that takes place pre-Phantom Menace, several, several years before Phantom Menace, actually. And this is simply the story of Dooku and how he became a Jedi kind of what well actually not kind of really what led up to him falling from the order deciding to leave the order not necessarily becoming a sith lord it didn't really focus on how he became a sith lord a whole lot but it did focus a lot on why he left the order and and kind of his reasoning behind it and why he was kind of disillusioned with the jedi order some of the people he was hanging out with some of the opinions that he had some of the things that happened to him that he went through and whatnot. Uh, no spoilers. I'm not going to spoil anything if you guys haven't read this or listened to it. Uh, but obviously, Dooku knows who his family is. He's the Count of Sereno. That's one thing that was made very clear in the movies. He was and, and the Clone Wars. He's the Count of Sereno. He knows where he comes from. He knows his family's lineage. So in this book, you know, when you see kind of his family and where he comes from, and why he knows where he comes from, how he knows where he comes from, and kind of his relationship with his family moving throughout his training and even into his elder years as a Jedi, into his 50s and 60s, his relationship with his family, it really does kind of spark. And you can kind of understand where Dooku's coming from 
when he decide with the moment when he decides I'm leaving the order that it it you can't blame him for it. It, it it's one of those things where Dooku's always been a bad guy to us. He's always been a villain. But when you read this, there's this gray area where you're like, oh, I can kind of understand where he's coming from. I would have done the same thing. Uh, a lot of the story is told through uh, Asajj Ventress, which we know uh, is his kind of assassin, his like secret apprentice or whatever. A lot of the story is told through her finding these hollow disks of messages from Dooku to his sister, Jenza. And that's, that's kind of the way – a lot of the story is told through – I guess I should say through Dooku telling Jenza, his sister, what's been going on. But Asajj Ventress is the one watching the hollows. And you really – there was some time there's, – there's a couple of time jumps in there, obviously, where he's you know in his 20s, then he's in his 30s, then he's in his 50s, and, and, and whatnot. But it ties in beautifully with Master and Apprentice. There's even some references to Master and Apprentice, the story Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. There's some ties into that. Uh, Rail Avaros is in this story, which we know is Dooku's first apprentice. Qui-Gon makes an apprentice uh, makes an appearance in this book. Uh, he's actually in a little, quite a bit. Qui-Gon's awesome in this, uh, and it's during Master and Apprentice. The only thing that doesn't really make sense to me during Master and Apprentice. I guess it does kind of make sense during Master and Apprentice. Qui-Gon and, and Rail are talking. They have no idea why Dooku left the Order. They All they know is that he did. They don't know what kind of led up to it or anything like that. This book does explain that, why it led up to it. And I, I was thinking for a second there that Qui-Gon was there when he decides to leave the Order, but I don't think he was, and I don't think about it. But the relationship between Dooku and Yoda in this is really, really well written. And some of the training that Yoda put Dooku through, some of the ways that he trained Dooku was kind of cool. But you can tell, uh, moving off from the start, you can already this thing's written in a way where you can already tell where it's gonna where it's gonna end. But it's not necessarily a bad thing because we already know where it's gonna end. We already know where Dooku ends up. So uh, I really really enjoyed Dooku Jedi Lost. I think it personally, just for me, I think it works better as the script. If you just sit and read the script, you don't. I mean, if you just sit and listen to it, you don't really know where you're at whenever it jumps. With the book, it describes the setting and everything like that, and you get every single line. Some of the background stuff that you don't, you can't really make out in the audiobook is in is in the book, so you can actually kind of see what's going on. Personally, I read it as a book. I loved it. I thought it was absolutely great. This is a story that I think needed to be told, especially considering that Dooku was one of the lost twenty. There's only ever been twenty people that you know left the order. I thought that was really cool. So uh, this is a really great story. It was a lot of fun to read. It's really brutal at times. It's gut-wrenching at times. It's a lot of fun at times. So definitely check out Dooku Jedi Lost. It was something I had a lot of fun reading, and I think you guys will too. Uh, so I hope that kind of gets you guys ready for that book. If you guys have kind of been on the fence about it, I'm going to say go pick it up. So... Uh, that is my review for Dooku Jedi Lost. Uh, so let's move on to some mailbag questions. How do you guys get a mailbag question on the Star Wars Canon Podcast? You can email it to me at Star Wars Canon 
podcast at gmail.com. It is now Star Wars Canon Podcast at gmail.com, not Star Wars Canon Library. So it's been changed to Star Wars Canon Podcast at gmail.com now. You can send me a question that way, or if you're listening on the Anchor app, you can send me a voice message that way, and you might get to hear yourself on the podcast and you know sending in your questions. So I've got a couple because it was a longer episode, I only got a couple of mailback questions picked out to kind of go through real quick because we've already been going for over an hour and a half, which is normally what I try to shoot for. Uh, but I've got a couple of mailbag questions here that we're going to answer, so let's get on with this. Question number one this week comes from Kyler Knowles, and Kyler says, "Now that we're almost six years into the new canon." What has been your favorite year for canon? Games, comics, novels, and movies all included. Uh, thanks for the question, Kyler. And that's a really good question. Because every year there was a, it was an entirely different batch of canon material. Different time periods, different stories, different characters. Every year was something different. Uh, I'm going to have to say my favorite year for canon so far. Because Don't get me wrong. I love a lot of the stuff that has come out in the last six years. I love a lot of it. But if you're asking favorite year, like, totally grouped together i've got to go with 2015 i have to go with 2015 during that year we started the star wars comic run we started the vader comic run we started the leia comic run we got the lando comic run which was absolutely amazing we got the first battlefront game which we were gearing up for the force awakens keep in mind this entire year we're gearing up for the force awakens the first star wars movie in 10 years that was going to take place after return of the jedi that was that was a feeling that was amazing knowing that we were building up to that to the end of the year so you know we, we we had these comic runs coming out and then we had the first battlefront game come out which everybody i've ever talked to that played the original two battlefront games were huge fans of them we were excited for the first battlefront game the the i guess the remake of it if you would we had the journey to the force awakens stuff we had uh, oh my god how many novels came out on the same day what all came out that day we, uh, lost stars came out that day we got the first Aftermath book. We had the first three of the small, like, little three-hour reads. We had Smuggler's Run, Weapon of a Jedi, Moving Target all come out on the same day. I, there was so much coming out that year that it was just – we were giddy. We were ready for this new era of Star Wars storytelling. And, you know, and, and, I, and I love 2015. It was an absolutely great year for, for storytelling. Now, granted, that was the year we got Heir to the, uh, Heir to the Jedi, which wasn't – I, I try not to talk about that one, but we got Lords of the Sith. We got Dark Disciple. I mean, we uh, it was absolutely great, absolutely great year for Star Wars canon. We got Before the Awakening. That was another one of those small little novels. Uh, did anything else come out that year? I'm looking. I don't remember. Uh, if you want to include the novelizations of the classic trilogy, which aren't the greatest. You know, you can include those. I don't, I don't include those, but we got Rebels started that year. That was the first season of Rebels that kicked off. Holy crap, man. Like, that was an amazing year for Star Wars canon. Absolutely loved it. Now, don't get me wrong. There are things that have come out in other years that I liked more, like Mandalorian. The, the, love Mandalorian. Uh, there were other books that came out that Thrawn, all the Thrawn books I absolutely love. You know, I, there's so many things. But if you're talking just a solid year, 2015 was the year of Star Wars. It absolutely was. It, and it's kind of sad to say that considering we hadn't seen any of the new Star Wars movies yet. And then, and, and then, you know, that year we ended with The Force Awakens. That was huge. That was a huge deal. We we got the final trailers for, the, for that movie. And, you know, that was the first time I ever remember every website online crashing that sold movie tickets. 
that was awesome to hear about. I got my tickets. So the next day when I started hearing that all these websites were crashing, I'm like, oh my God, this is awesome. And it was a mix of feelings too, because I was so excited all year for The Force Awakens. And then like the last two weeks before the movie came out, I finally, because Andrew Corp was on the channel with me at the time. And I remember looking at him going, dude, what if it sucks? And he's like, no, no, don't say that. You can't say it. It's not going to suck. It's not going to suck. And you know, it was just this emotional roller coaster. I was like, dude, it's going to suck. Oh my God, it's going to be great. No, it's going to suck. Oh my God, it's going to be great. It was just this emotional year of knowing we were getting these little bits throughout the year and we were going to like come to the crescendo of the next Star Wars movie. You know what I mean? So I've got to go with 2015. That was, that was the absolute year for Star Wars as far as I'm concerned. And, and there have been good years since. Don't get me wrong. There's been good years since. But nothing that's ever going to top the feeling of, of building up. Because... At the beginning of 2015, the only stuff that was canon so far, at the beginning of 2015, before the Star Wars comic started, the only things that were canon at that point were the were the six films, Clone Wars, and the Son of Dathomir comic. That was it. And, well, and then we'd had uh, A New Dawn was the first novel, and Tarkin. They, they both came out in 2014. That was it. I mean, everything else came, the bulk of a lot of stuff came out in 2015, leading up to The Force Awakens. You know, and, and 2016 was a good year, too. It really was because we were building up to Rogue One, you know, and, and but that, you know, and in 2015 also, I keep going back to 2015, we had our Star Wars celebration where we got the first teaser trailer for The Force Awakens. Oh, I shouldn't say the first because we had the first trailer actually came in 2014, but the first actual trailer for Force Awakens where we got to see Han Solo and Chewie on the Falcon and Chewie, we're home. We got to see that in 2015. We, we were so amped up for what we were getting ready to be served that... I, that whole year drug by, even though we had these giant milestones throughout the year. Oh, we had this novel come out. We had this comic come out. We had this comic come out. Rebels just came out. Here's Star Wars Celebration. This book came out. This book came out. This book came out. It all drug on leading up to The Force Awakens. And not, it didn't drag on in a bad way. You know, And that was the year I started the Star Wars Canon Library. That, if, that, if that's any testament to you, how uh, excited I was for Star Wars Canon at that point. I was so excited about it. I started a YouTube channel and, and it was, it was absolutely amazing to sit down and talk about this stuff and go through it bit by bit. And, you know, in the star Wars comics, see Luke fight Vader for the first time outside of empire strikes back. We know now he faced him a couple of times, you know, we got the Lando comic. We got a lot of Sith lore in the Lando comic, which was unexpected. The Leia comic was all right. The writing was okay. The artwork was crap in it, but the story was okay. You know, it's just, just so much that happened that year with Star Wars that just blew me away, you know? So I got to go with 2015, man. It was a really good year. Let me know what you guys thought. What do you think was the best year for Star Wars canon so far and, and why? You know, maybe what was the worst year for your Star Wars canon so far? I want to hear your guys' thoughts. So thank you for the question, Kyler. I do appreciate it. Uh, and question number two this week, the final question. Uh, before we wrap up for the week, is from Robin Lynn. And Robin says, Hey, Brian, been a listener for almost two years, and it's awesome to see how far your podcast and channel have come in such a short time. Keep it up. Thank you so much, Robin. I do appreciate that. Uh, I watched your spoiler review for Rise of Skywalker and completely agree with everything you said about Lucasfilm's handling of this trilogy. I was wondering... If you had seen the rumors about Disney trying to get George Lucas back to run Lucasfilm, what are your thoughts? Thanks for the question, Robin. 
and yeah, actually, I, I I saw those four or five days ago. I saw there was a a rumor going around that Disney was looking to have George Lucas come on to run Lucasfilm. To be completely honest with you, the first thing I said when I saw the headline, I looked at it on my phone. I was standing in my grain elevator. I was looking at my phone, and as soon as I saw that, the first thing out of my mouth was, no, this can't be right. This isn't happening. Please, God, don't let this be happening. I say that. Hang on a second. I know people are yelling at me. I get that George Lucas is the one that created this universe. I get that he, without him, we wouldn't even have Star Wars. I get that. I respect him. He's still on my bucket list of people to meet. I He's a god as far as I'm concerned. I want to say that. But George Lucas is not coming back to run Lucasfilm. That is not happening. He has parted ways with Star Wars harder than Harrison Ford did. And look, I... George Lucas will never come back and do Star Wars again. He, it's never going to happen. I know he's been an advisor on some things throughout the last couple of movies. I know that that's happened. I know he visits the set a lot. I get that. This man sold Lucasfilm for a reason. He didn't sell it. Look, if Lucas was going to do any more Star Wars movies, he'd have done it before he sold Disney. Or before he sold to Disney. He sold to Disney because... Disney was he thought was more was well equipped to make these movies than he was. And he distanced himself from it. He completely backed away from it. I know there's beef between George Lucas and, and Disney. I get that. I know that. I've heard the reports. I know some of the stuff that was said. I know some of the stuff that, that happened. He's never going to come back and work on it again. He washed his hands of Star Wars. He wants nothing to do with it. I guarantee it. Never going to happen. And besides. Why would you sell your company, your four point some odd billion dollar company, why would you sell it to somebody when you own it, right? You own it. You have you have the rights to it. Why would you sell that just to go work for the people you sold it to, to run the same thing you were doing already? Why would you do that? You won't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't go back to it. So, I look, I hope this isn't true. I really, really hope it's not true. Because honestly, you know, I said during uh, my spoiler review for Rise of Skywalker, I really want to see what his treatments were for 7, 8, and 9. But we know that they were on the microbiotic level of the Force, which is a fancy way of saying metachlorians. And that was one of the things that a lot of people hated about the prequels. It turned the Force into an STD, into a blood disease. That's really all it was. So... It kind of demystified what the Force actually was. You, you get what I'm saying? Like, originally anybody, you know, if the if the Force was, if it was still this mystic Force and there was no scientific explanation behind it, anybody could, in essence, use the Force if they trained themselves and learned how to do it and learned how to control their, their feelings and control it. You know, depending on how sensitive you were to it on whether or not you could hear it, if you could interact with it if you really calmed yourself there's no scientific explanation behind the monks in china that can levitate there's no scientific explanation behind that none so why does there need to be a scientific explanation behind jedi kind of demystifies it oh you can't use the force because your metachlorine counts only like 2000 you're screwed well screw you man 
You know, so I and that's one of the biggest things George and look, you're talking about the guy that wrote the cringy dialogue of the Attack of the Clones episode. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating, gets everywhere. Ugh. You're talking about the guy that wrote Annie, I want to have our baby back home on Naboo. I can go early and prepare the baby's room. And so love has blinded you? Like, you're talking about the guy that wrote that, right? Just saying. I don't think this is ever going to happen. If anybody's going to take over Lucasfilm, it's going to be somebody inside the company. I'm willing to bet a lot of money that's what it's going to be. And I, you know what? Honestly, I think we all know who's probably going to end up taking it over. It's not going to be Kevin Feige. He's busy with Marvel. Why would you just... It's not even a promotion to go from Marvel to Lucasfilm if that was the case. You're going to be the president of this company. Go to be the president of this company. It's not a raise. You're not moving up the corporate ladder. You're just switching over to another ladder. So it's not going to be Kevin Feige. If, I'm, if I've got my money on anybody, it's not even Dave Filoni, which I wish to God it was. It's not going to be Dave Filoni either. It's going to be Jon Favreau. I'm willing to bet a lot of money. Jon Favreau is going to be the next head of Lucasfilm. I'm willing to bet a, a huge sum of money. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. So uh, these rumors, they're just rumors. It's just people trying to start crap who are EU purists and people who hate Disney. They're just trying to start crap saying George Lucas is coming back into it. It's all it is. I swear to you, that's it. So uh, I hope that answers your question, Robin. Thank you for sending it in, though. I do appreciate it. Uh, guys, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I sure do appreciate it. Uh, if you're new to the podcast and you like what you see, be sure to give me a follow on whatever app or site you're listening in on. Uh, check out the YouTube channel uh, for upcoming reviews, interviews, reaction videos, everything like that, uh, as well as the Facebook page so you can stay up to date on what's going on with the Star Wars Canon Podcast. Uh, if you would like to support the Star Wars Canon Podcast, you can visit our Patreon page uh, and, and give some support there. It'd sure be appreciated. If, and like I said earlier, if you want to get a question on the podcast, you can email it to me at StarWarsCanonPodcast at gmail.com. I go through each week and pick just a few out, some of the more pertinent ones to kind of talk about. And maybe some stuff that we're not talking about, some things that people finally bring up. We're like, you know what, maybe we do need to talk about that. So, And, and if you're listening on the Anchor app, you can send me a voice message that way. You might even get to hear your question on the, on the next episode. So all those links can be found in the description of this episode. Uh, of this video. Thank you guys so much one more time for tuning in. I sure do appreciate it. And until next time, this is Brian signing off. And may the force be with you.